Hey everybody, I'm Coots. And I'm Conan. All right, everybody, I'm with my partner in crime, Dr. Jeff Conan. Today, we're talking about how not to suck as a leader. And we know we spend so much time talking about what leadership is, how you can develop your leadership, going to reading the books, going to the courses, taking the workshops and doing all these things to discover, you know, your leadership strengths and all these things, which are great things to do. And we're not saying you shouldn't do that, but we feel like there's a dearth of information and, and there's a there's a big gap out there of, of things that leaders do that kind of indicate the fact that they're actually not leaders and, and what so this again our theme here is how not to suck as a leader and i'd like to just throw out you know maybe the opening comment here uh jeff with this idea of I've, I've been captivated with this idea of followership uh, the last few days actually as i've been reading some things and one of the things that i really realized or recently realized that causes leaders to suck is the fact that they forget the fact that Good leadership requires having been a good follower. And, uh, and you know, you talk about followership and, and, you know, you've heard me talk about this before. And one of the things I think really gets, gets me going is this idea that everybody's a leader, right? And I do believe that everyone can practice leadership behaviors, but not every, if everyone's a leader, where are the followers? And I think that's one of the things that happened right off the bat when, when we talk about not sucking as a leader, it's recognizing the fact that there's a there's a dynamic, there's a construct, there's a there's a community being built that says I'm a leader, therefore I have to lead somebody. But if these somebodies are leaders too, that creates a different kind of leadership. And and you know, decades ago, Peter Drucker, you know, began to coin the frame and use the frame the knowledge worker. And I think we are fully into the space now of what Peter Drucker defined as the knowledge worker era. And what that means is most followers or most subordinates or most team members know as much or more than the leader themselves. And I think one of the first things we do uh, to get ourselves in trouble as leaders is we forget the fact that we're leading way more competent people than maybe history has been. And, and and because of the mindset that we have about what leaders do, tell people what to do, for example, we forget that. And that's the first thing that really causes us to suck as leaders is we think we're in charge and we have all the information, we have all the resources, we have all the tools, and we're the answer person, we're the problem solver. And in this knowledge economy, that's just not the case. Yeah, well, you know, as a leader, you do have a role in establishing a vision or a strategy, but as you roll it out, the bigger role you have is influencing others. So uh, you're actually talking less and listening more. So you you try to establish a direction, which is that you're allowed to do that, right? When you're in a leadership role, whether it's a title or not, you're allowed to establish what you think might be a direction to move forward for a group. But then your job is to sit back and listen, not ram down that strategy through everyone's throat and say, this is how we're going to do it because now I'm the leader or I have the title and I'm in charge. And I, and I like what you said about not everyone is going to be a leader or is a leader or whatever. It always, it, it makes me laugh. It's like that word potential. 
Right. Everyone has potential, but some 40 years later still have that same potential, but they haven't utilized it. And so uh, leadership, you know, I'm, I'm going to toss you a softball here. Are leaders born or made? <laughs> it's debatable, but they're made. I mean, we make them. They're, they can be developed. It's that potential thing you're talking about. They're you know developed. I mean? Exactly. They're developed. That's a great word. And, uh, you know, you know, you, you just brought up an interesting point for me. And, and you know, I know we're going to get into some uh, foggy ground. It's not controversial ground, but it is foggy ground because this this landscape that leaders need to practice in, they find themselves in an ecosystem where where management is used as a term, supervision is used as a term, administration is used as a term, and then leadership. And we have those four terms. And sometimes we mean them to be completely separate things. And other times we use them as synonyms for each other. And that's a problem. I mean, that's that's our fault. I mean, that's the, the community's fault. That's no fault of the leader. But it makes it difficult for the leader to really understand what role am I playing right now? And especially in bureaucracies. And I know many of our listeners being athletic trainers work in healthcare systems and or ac academic institutions of higher learning. And those are the, the pit, two of the largest bureaucratic systems on the planet. So it makes it incredibly hard for program directors, HR, or not HR directors, but program directors or rehab directors or whatever that might be to, to those lines get foggy. And, and when we talk about not sucking as a leader, I think one of the first things that inherently comes to my mind is stop having the role confusion. When you're an administrator, understand you're doing administration, but don't call that leadership because it just frustrates the workers downstream. And, and you alluded to it. And what got me fired up about it is this fact that so many times we have we have people in, in positions of authority who consider themselves to be the leaders of the program, the leaders of the department, the leaders of the team, and yet they don't allow any of the team members to do anything, and they want to micromanage. And and when and so the, the term that comes to mind when, when I say the phrase "how not to suck as a leader," just just to speak Matt here plainly and clearly, what I mean is don't micromanage. How not to micromanage and. Oh. And talk to me about the problem with micromanagement, especially when you're working with what we said. We'll talk about knowledge workers. I mean, when when it's it's very plausible that your team of clinicians, your team of faculty, whatever it is, are experts. They know what they're doing and how to do it. How do you lead a group like that successfully? Well, when you do that, you stifle creativity. Period. Right? You have people who are afraid to do something. For the fear of you coming back and saying, that's not how I wanted it. I would have done it this way. Uh, and so, you know, that ties into the thought that I had of, of um, when, when you're working with others, don't ask them to do something that you wouldn't do yourself or you already haven't done yourself. And, and if you do, because you're allowed to still, give them a green light and say, hey, you know what? I've never done this before. So you guys try this and take it and run with it. And be honest and transparent about it. But when you say don't suck as a leader, because if you micromanage, that's one way of sucking as a leader, you couldn't be any closer to the truth. Because I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that I see out there. Why is it? Because you get appointed to a title and now you think you're accountable. 
And therefore, everybody has to do things the way you want it done so that if it's not done the right way, you take the blame. But the fact is that the way you become a better leader right from the beginning is not to micromanage. Give people a leash. Allow them to make mistakes. Encourage them to think outside of the box and be willing to stick up for their new and creative and sometimes risk-taking ideas because what you can do is hold them accountable to justify the work they did, right? Not right. go on this wild, crazy chase and say, hey, let's do this because there's no rules. We've been empowered to do something. But come back and say, this is what we did. And let us show you why and how and when and where. And in fact, when we show you we did our due diligence, what we're really hoping to do is not just say, hey, we did a good job because you let us, but give us more. Give us more. And like you said, let us take our expertise and build upon that. Because here, one plus one is like five. Exactly. Here's another way not to suck as a leader. And you, you alluded to it when you said, all right, when you assign someone a task or a team a task or a responsibility of some kind, admit if you've never done it before. That's one thing. Here's the other thing that I thought you were going to go this direction is when you assign someone a task to do something, don't assign them the task if you already know what you want. Right. If you already know what it is you want, don't make them mind read, right? I mean, we have so many managers and, and, and administrators and supervisors out there who expect their teams to mind read when they say, hey, I want you to put together this report. Or I need I need a couple creative solutions for this issue. Or, I want you to think of an idea on how to attack this. And then we meet as a team. The team comes back, presents their ideas, and all of them are shot down. And then they say, well, we're just going to do this. It's like, well, if you already knew what it is you wanted to do, why did you ask us to do this in the first place on this 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 faux attempt to have team buy-in or something like that or or you know, collegiality or whatever it is. And, and that's that's sucking as a leader. I mean, so here's another strategy for us, how not to suck as a leader. Don't assign a task if you're not going to delegate the requisite authority with the task. We have so many managers who delegate responsibility, but they don't delegate responsibility and the requisite authority. And to me, that's a real, real big problem, especially in the context of the knowledge working environment. And the flip side of that is, you know, like you said, you may not tell them what, what you want, but you know what you want and you're just going to wait to see what they do. Um, I might tell them actually what I think. And, and it's not to steer them towards what I want, but it's to say, I'm, I'm one. I'm one person. My mind just took me in this direction. You all look at this. And if you agree with me, great. But if if you can steer it another way, in a better way, bring it back and present that to me so that we're all on board here. And now what I've also done is I've forced you not just to think about what you're thinking, but also what I'm thinking so we can compare and contrast. And let's all be open to what the best approach is at the end of the day. And so it's a lot about transparency and, yeah. and, and open trust, right? The people have to know that there is no retribution for their work, because that will stifle not even creativity, as I alluded to earlier, but enthusiasm towards the next time you delegate something to them that's really not delegated. Exactly right. It's it kills morale. I mean, it's it's a major morale killer. And, and that happens 
quite a lot. And and I would agree. You don't have to shape the direction of the team's idea and path, you know, and you don't want to bias their, their effort, but you do need to, in full disclosure, vulnerability, transparency, whatever you want to call it, tell them, this is what I'm thinking. At least now as a team member, the team members know where to frame, what to think about. They know what obstacles are going to come up with or come up against. They know maybe if, if they're really adamant about, well, I don't think that's the best way to go. They're going to do more homework, so to speak, yeah. to justify their position. And I think that's only opens up communication, which I guess is the other thing we could say of how not to suck as a leader. It goes back to, I talked about assuming you know, your team are mind readers. This is this goes back to communication. We have to assume and and be the the you know I don't know what one of the commercials out there talked about you know Captain Obvious you know this thing here <laughs> you know we we need to we need as leaders we need to be the Captain Obvious you know we've got to say what it is we're thinking ahead of time and don't make your teams guess what you're thinking. Okay, I'm going to toss out a really controversial one here. And I'm going to say, don't follow the rules. Yeah. Now, why am I saying this? Because I think leaders who follow the rules tend to respond to every idea, proposal, suggestion from the rule standpoint is, here's why you can't do this. And I think if your mindset changes, not to break the rules, but to say, how can we do this within these rules or bending these rules or challenging these rules or suggesting it's time for a rule change? And I'm not trying to say, be that jerk of a leader who's not compliant within their organization. What I'm saying is if you're too compliant because you feel you're the police of the rules, you will then stifle others you will frustrate the heck out of them when they bring ideas to you and they already know they haven't even finished their sentence and they read your body language and then you come out with well we can't do this because dude you 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 hit the nail on the head and at first i want to say that's not controversial because there was a new york times best-selling book a few years ago uh by the gallup group First Break All the Rules. I mean, the first thing, that's the title of the book, First Break All the Rules. And if you haven't read it, for our listeners, it's a great read. I'd recommend it. And it's exactly kind of what you're talking about is we're not talking about being unethical, doing anything illegal or anything like that. But here's here's what I want to say. How to not suck as a leader means your first default response shouldn't be, well, what's the policy say? Your first default response should be, all right, how can I help you make this happen? That's all we're asking. Now, we understand as team members, there are times when it can't happen for a lot of different reasons. Some of the reasons are good reasons and things like that. That's fine. But if your default response as a leader, as a manager, as a supervisor is we can't because, and then you cite a policy, a procedure, or a precedent from the past, or even it could have been not not a policy procedure, just I we tried this a few years ago and it didn't work then. Don't assume it's not going to work now. And if, if the default response of any manager, leader, again, administrator, supervisor is the default to the policy, that's sucking as a leader. Your your how not to suck 
is to have your default response be, all right, let me see how I can help this happen. And then if it can't, that's a different story. But your first response needs to be to support the team instead of being the other obstacle to the team. I mean, the bureaucracies are bad enough as they are. And if you're adding to the level of bureaucracy, you're going to lose your team is going to lose faith in you. They're going to lose their capacity to trust you. You already said it. The morale is going to tank in in record time. This doesn't the morale doesn't tank in a situation like this in a, in over years and years. It tanks in a matter of weeks. It's like, well, if they're going to keep doing this, then why bother? Right. The last thing you want as a team as a leader is for your team members to walk away and have the meeting after the meeting. That's about, you know, why bother? Well, and it's important to understand that you, you might've been hired to do job X and your team is tasked with doing something. The rule may have been in place. The policy may have been in place years ago and never had a reason to be reviewed or changed. And so rather than just say, well, here's the policy, you can't do this. Now you have a new program. Now you have a new strategic agenda. Now you have a new idea to improve your organization. And you go back and say, this policy was put in place at this time for these reasons. It's no longer applicable to what we do today. And so let's take a look at this. You would think that would be easy, wouldn't you? And this is something people have been saying for, for probably centuries. I certainly, in the, the four decades that I've been really studying, not four, three decades that I've really been studying leadership, this is a common theme. And this is one of the things that we know effective leaders do well, and that's rehash and consistently and frequently go over things. Because here's one of the things we know for sure. I've said it in some of my writings. You've said it in some of your writings. And that's the world we live. The world is constantly changing, right? We talk about this all the time, the VUCA world, turbulent, chaotic world, whatever, the post-COVID world. I mean, the world now is different than it was even 12 and months it, ago. Dramatically it always changed. You can call it whatever you want, whatever it's a pandemic or a inflation or whatever. It's going to change. Right. And if and if we're we're using the same, I mean, Einstein said it in the twenties. I mean, if you're using the same uh, thinking that got you into the problem that, that you're trying to get out of, you're, you know, well, how do you say it? I'm gonna make sure I get it right. If you're using the same thinking that got you into the problem to try to get out of it, you're not gonna do it. You know, you've got to change your thinking, and this goes back to how we frame policies and procedures. And again, sucking as a leader really boils down to this idea of having to lead by policy and procedure instead of by interpersonal dynamics and relationships. When you're relying on the policies and the procedures and the rules to establish the boundaries of your relationship, you suck as a leader. I'm just going to say it, you know, because because they, they should be other constructs in this idea of treating. But, but, but you're a good manager. Absolutely. You're doing what the manager's supposed to do. Right. But you're not leading. Exactly right. And 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 I do think that's important to distinguish. I, I'm not here to say and I don't think we're saying at all that everybody has to be a leader. I just want people to stop calling themselves leaders if they're not leading. <laughs> if you're managing and you're administrating, then say that. Don't say I lead this great department. I lead this great program. Don't say that you're lying. You're lying. You're being disingenuous. Say, I manage a great yes. team of people. 
And uh, sorry, I'm getting excited, but this is, this is, you know, or maybe, I mean, pedantic, you know, I mean, <laughs> this idea of the different, you know, nuance and all that, but, but this is, this is really important because I think this is what frustrates teams so much. This is what frustrates organizational growth and development so much is we have this confusion, this ambiguity between these terms, leader, manager, administrator, supervisor, again, Sometimes we mean them interchangeably, other times we don't. And it causes a lot of confusion, especially for the team. And I think not sucking as a leader really is about understanding the dichotomies here, understanding the different pillars, understanding the power dynamics. A leader uses interpersonal power and personal power, right? A, a manager uses legitimate power, you know, and information power. And, and that's totally okay. No one's saying not to do that. One's better than another. Just know what it is you're doing. And the problem is we have so many lead people calling themselves leaders who are using informational power or or legitimate ref, you know, power instead of personal power. And it, it doesn't, it just is something, and they wonder, well, why don't my team get me? I understand it's because you're, you're, you're not getting it either. And it's confusing to everybody. All right, so I'm going to add another one here. If you want to suck as a leader, do this. Shield yourself from okay. feedback, right? I'm in charge. Therefore, what I say goes, and I'm doing a great job. Shield yourself, and you will suck as a leader. Because you won't allow others to tell you honestly, constructively how you're doing for the good, bad, or indifferent. But all leaders evolve and change and our favorite word, pivot, whatever. But you oftentimes can't do that through your own two eyes successfully. You need feedback from others. Yeah, from not oftentimes, not oftentimes. There's research and literature on this on this exact thing. And I'm telling you, one of the biggest things that leaders don't do well is accurately self-reflect. Self-reflect. Because it goes to your point exactly, because they're not listening to what everybody else around them is saying. Right. And, and listen, I think people who self-reflect and say, I'm doing a bad job at this, and their, uh, you know, their staff gives them feedback and says, we think you're doing a bad job at this. I like that. That's really good. Because we know the issue and we're all open about it. And now we can set a strategy to move forward to fix it. So it's just like the people who say, I think I'm doing really good. And the feedback is, we think you're doing really good. Wow, that's awesome. But think about those two other boxes in right. this grid, right? I'm sitting here and thinking, I don't know if I'm doing a good job as a leader. And everyone around me say, no, you're doing great. I'm like, okay, I'm lacking confidence. I'm, I'm lacking something. But I can work with that. I can improve that. Right. The worst box here i think i'm doing fantastic as a leader and all the feedback from everyone else is not so good and now what happens is i put the wall up even higher and thicker and longer and wider and it, it creates a defensive posture for me to grow as a leader 
Yeah, it creates a huge disconnect because it, you basically you just dig in more. And both sides and both sides do it. It's not just the leader's fault in that case. Sometimes it's the team is will be like, yeah, they start mis misapplying what they're seeing, and then you fall into the sunk cost fallacy. You call into confirmation bias, and you start looking for things to prove I'm better than. Well, they right. didn't see this. They didn't do that. They don't. They don't know what I did behind the scenes. That goes back to the vulnerability and transparency piece you mentioned. You know, 15 minutes ago, if you truly are doing stuff behind the scenes that we don't know about that's sucking as a leader we should know about it we should yeah, know right. that you went to bat for us on this particular thing or something like that and that's that's exactly what we're talking about and and so how not to suck as a leader another way is be open to feedback and 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 real feedback not just the annual performance review and those kinds of things <laughs> in the formal processes we all know how those work. We all know those have implications for people's raises and things. So those aren't, that's not real feedback. You've got to be open to the real feedback and you got to solicit, solicit that feedback off the record and then believe it when they say it, which is, I think, a really, really important thing um, to do. And then the other thought that, you know, comes to my mind, here's something that may or may not be controversial as well is is how not to suck as a leader is understanding that submission is a real thing. And, and what I mean by that is, is, you know, there was Chester Barnard wrote a book back in the sixties. I think it was, I think both of us, both of us referenced this in our books, I think. And that's, that's the idea that um, submission people who have the real power in an organization are the followers, the subordinates. Because because submission is voluntary. We we voluntarily yield to someone else's authority based on the hierarchy, other things like that. And as long as and, and that power you have to make decision comes from the followers. I can withdraw that at any time. You know, it, I, somebody called it the zone of indifference. You know, there's this zone of indifference that oh, you do what you want to do up to a certain point. But after a certain point, no, that crosses the line for me. I'm out. And if yeah. I'm out, who are you? Lead? If all your followers leave you, who do, then you're not a leader, right? I mean, you're not leading anybody. So by virtue of the fact that the authority or the power that a, a person in, a, in a, a leadership position has comes from the followers is very important to understand. I think we get a lot of leaders who suck in their roles because they forget the fact that they're there by, by they're serving at the pleasure of their team, so to speak. Yeah, I think the really cool thing to observe is, you know, I think for the last 25 or so minutes, what we've been alluding to is sort of some organization or team where there's one leader and then a bunch of people that, you know, sort of work for that person as a staff. But think about like committee work when you take a bunch of people who are reputable leaders in their own organization. So now you take established leaders around the table. If you really want to see, good behaviors or bad behaviors. They come about now when you have folks at equal levels. You know, we see them in academia, we put all the deans around the table, right? They all have positional power, but now how do they lead through influence when they all have the same positional level of power, you really start to see leadership exhibit itself. Absolutely, that's a great example. I wanted to get that quote, clear, clear, uh, clarity that I mentioned a minute ago. So I looked it up real quick while you were while you were talking and that Chester Barnard quote is this, the determination of authority always lies with the subordinate individual. 
Submission is a paradox in that authority is not realized unless submission is given. So I just wanted to make sure that I got that right. I didn't want to misquote um, Mr. Barnard there, but but I think that's an important piece when it comes to leadership, authority, governance, management is there are two types of power. You just alluded to it. And we'll have to kind of end on this note here, this idea of when you consider the team that you're working with a team of equals, then leadership has to push itself through and emerge through maybe more than managers. But if you find yourself wanting and being driven to manage and administrate everything, it it's it's a message. You're sending a message to your team that you don't think they're your peers or your equals. And that is sucking as a leader and you don't want to do that. Coots and Conan are out. Thank you, everybody.